0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Molly Gamble, the leader of the editorial team at Becker's Healthcare. And Molly talks to us regularly about issues she's watching closely in healthcare. Molly, I'll tee it up. I'll put myself on mute. Tell me a couple of the stories that you're watching closely currently now.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. This week we reported on a a mid-sized health system merger that's in the works as of this week. We've got Northwell Health and NuVance Health forming a strategic agreement to combine. So Northwell would essentially fold in NuVance in this deal. So for listeners, just for a sense of size here, Northwell has 21 hospitals, NuVance has seven. Northwell has about 16 billion in annual revenue. NuVance about three billion, and this deal would really extend Northwell's reach further north into Connecticut and expand its footprint in New York. And when I spoke this week with, with Michael Dowling, the CEO of Northwell, about this deal, he said that it's important to remember, while hospital MA, it's so often measured by the growth in the number of hospitals that will result from the deal. Northwell, he sees things a little differently here. Only 47% of Northwell's revenue comes from inpatient hospitals right now. It's in, outpatient strategy and growth is really allowing it and has allowed it to diversify its revenue quite a bit. So with this deal, the combined system would have more than 14,000 providers, more than 1,000 sites of care. They're hoping to clear it with regulatory approval by year's end, and more information will be released as progress is made toward those regulatory milestones. But Scott, one deal I thought was an interesting asterisk um, with that 47% of revenue mark remark from Michael, um, and another way of kind of looking at health system combinations.
0: what's your sense of, will this get regulatory approval? It seems like there's been so much anti scrutiny on deals recently. Is there any preliminary thoughts on this or concerns about it?
1: I think that 47% stat is an interesting one. We'll see how it is treated with the regulatory agencies. It is a little different. I don't really see that always plugged in or made known as these deals are being announced, like in terms of the Revenue composition of the systems, but that does seem. I mean, Michael's brought that to our attention before at Becker's, just saying that's been really intentional to move more and more revenue and make the system less reliant on the inpatient hospitals. Um, but that said, Scott, this also, I mean, it's not a, it's not one of those cross regional combinations that we've seen that has seen some success the past few years. Um, so it's not, you know, those footprints where it's like a semicolon, you've got some hospitals here, then you skip a couple states. That's where the other system is that's combining. These are systems that are next to each other and neighboring. So we'll see. Um, we're interested in it. We'll keep an eye on it. Six to nine months is the time frame for those regulatory regulatory reviews and then hoping to clear the deal by the end of the year.
0: No, fascinating. And, and tell us, what other stories are you watching currently? What else is, is top of mind currently?
1: Yeah, it was a really good week for Mayo Clinic this week. It released its fiscal year results for 2023, a, a big year. It recorded about 18 billion in revenue, a net operating income of a little bit over a billion. So that leaves the system with a six percent operating margin. A couple other things to point out here: it picked up its hiring in 2023. It added about 14,000 staff into new roles. That's up five percent from 2022. There were notes that its retention and recruitment is nearly back to pre-pandemic levels, and then. I'll also back to pre-pandemic norms, patient volumes. The system cared for more than 1.3 million patients globally in 2023. It's also currently engaged in numerous capital projects to add capacity, including one to double the size of its campus in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, same day, same week, it was ranked number one hospital in the world, Scott, by Newsweek. So readers can find the full listing of U.S. hospitals that were recognized at that global scale by the publication. We we teased them all out at Becker's. Uh, There were a few others that rounded out the top 10 list. That's Cleveland Clinic at number two, Johns Hopkins and Mass General, uh, all in the top 10 of hospitals at at a global level from Newsweek.
0: Let me ask you a question. A couple of years ago, there was a lot of pushback about sharing data with U.S. news and and so forth. Uh, But these systems still like very much to be listed as top hospitals, don't they? This is very important to the bragging rights, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It is, it is. And I think uh, you'll see some of the similar ones that the top 10 that I just rounded out there. Those were also like the honor roll hospitals at U S news for years and years at a time, there might've been some like very small changes. So maybe a number two hospital would fall to number four or what have you. And a lot of competition jockeying among those top hospitals for the top spots. But Scott, interestingly, you know, U S news, not many headlines made by that outlet this, this year. Um, And also I should remind listeners too, that they did away with that honor roll system. So they kind of changed how, they treat and how they rank the hospitals. I think there's a top 20. And then after that, there aren't the numbers anymore. So I I don't know. Newsweek, we haven't seen as much controversy or pushback toward that publication. I think Newsweek's been rating hospitals globally for a few years now, not nearly as long as U.S. News, though.
0: Thank you very, very much. Uh, Anything else that you're watching closely currently that you're that you're focused on, we've talked about the Northland defense, we've talked about this, the rankings and stuff like that. What else is, is top of mind? Anything else that's top of mind?
1: One story just published today, Scott, if listeners are interested in checking it out, it just touches on some of the psychological effects that people might be experiencing from these growing ransomware and cyber attacks in healthcare. I mean, we've been covering them since the first one in 2016 against a hospital. It was a small little hospital in Kentucky. Since then, we've seen these cyber gangs and these criminals just grow more savvy. They're bolder. Um, Last year, ransomware attacks nearly doubled so 141 hospitals were affected more recently we've seen systems like change be affected which just ripples across the country so while so much is attention is paid to the operations of these attacks what's down what's not operational what's an outage it's really worth noting if you if you dig into research that this is really the effects of it is like on t- Similar to terrorism, where people, it has a severe mental effect for people, where when you feel a sense of helplessness, you recognize threats, but you don't know what to do about them. Um, it, it's really damaging. So this story is called When Ransomware Strikes, Who to Call. I hope listen, listeners will check it out. I've been kind of perusing different forums and message boards because it's been difficult to report on something like this. A lot of information due to legal reasons and security reasons isn't disclosed, but a lot of people are struggling. They don't know who to call. Their bosses are coming down on them and saying, call this person, figure out a solution for XYZ. That person is then saying, I'm not in control of this. We had the Association of Pharmacists, got release a news alert. I've never seen anything like this saying, you know, in, in the middle of the cyber attack, please be kind to pharmacists. This is not their fault. So a lot of pressure coming down on people. And I think there's some finger pointing occurring, even though ultimately, like this change example, a ransomware gang did claim responsibility for that. Um, but I think in the meantime, people are just – it's been a week now. People are severely stressed. It's causing a lot of anxiety. And it's something that we should probably – the media at large can do a better job of just reporting on and making known uh, in addition to those operational disruptions.
0: No, thank you very, very much. I, I i can't even imagine, like, when you go through a huge outage like this, the impact on patients, staff, everybody who are trying to go back to paper and figure out how to take care of patients – in, in a world that has changed so much. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think some of these things, I think more and more is nation state driven, which is just scary. Uh, but what a, what a complete mess. Um, it, it, Molly, thank you for reporting on that. I mentioned that as well. I've, I've watched a lot of that recently, of so it's really bad. And uh, thank you for bringing this up to date. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Scott.